Welcome to The Broken Sabre Reads, The Final Empire by Brandon Sanderson, Episode 3. So this week we're doing chapters 5 and 6 of The Final Empire. Yep. Looking forward to it? A little bit, yeah, yeah. I'm a bit, I'm a bit nervous. Okay, I don't know why. I'm just a bit like thing this week, but it'll be good. It'll be good. But we'll, we'll fucking nail it again, like we always do. Yeah, there's some interesting. I think some interesting chapters. I think some interesting, um, sort of interesting thoughts and feedback from my point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think actually the first thing we need to do. So I want to shout. I know you shout on the last podcast, but it's Crimson for um, highlighting my error. In that um, I kind of thought that the Scar were just peasants, and he's pointed out to me that um, they're actually a different race of people, mm. um, and that they're slaves. So yeah, I, do you know, now I've said that I can see it, and I think I just went down the wrong path with that one. So firstly, Crimson, thank you very much for providing yeah. the feedback. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to it for a start, <laughs> and actually taking the time to uh, to come through to us. Yeah, um, so that's really good. Thank you, and thank you for putting me back on the right direction. I think we this, like feedback. Yeah, so basically, if I if I cock up again, Crimson, please keep me on the straight <laughs> and narrow. I'm sure he will. It um, seems like one of them guys. Well, you <laughs> he's the, a cool guy. You're the one that's supposed to have read this book, and yeah, yeah, it was a while ago. <laughs> oh, let let me off. <laughs> um, so go on then. So let's take us through chapter five. What? Happened? Okay. Before we do that. Oh, okay. Just just before that, I have a question for you. Now, <laughs> the answer is yes. I don't know why I completely missed this. But I did. At the start of every chapter, at the very top, there's like a little ex- like little um, <clears throat> random bit of like transcript. There is. Did you read them? Yeah. I sort of just completely didn't even see <laughs> they were there. <laughs> even though I've read these books before, for some reason, my eyes instantly went to like chapter what You know what I mean? Like the main body of a text. Okay. So today, when I was looking through some summaries and researching some stuff I was like hang on a minute I didn't even see them I completely missed them so I went back and read all of them Mm. and I'll tell you something now you won't know which one it is but there is some pretty massive foreshadowing in one of those well so actually so this is so I really I highlighted this at the start of chapter 6 on my chapter 6 notes and I've just put here um, whose story are we reading at the start of each chapter Mm. Um, because what I want to do when I actually have time is just read the six that I've read yeah. so far together because I kind of feel like they're telling a single narrative. I actually want to see whether they are or whether they are completely random. Um, but yeah, it's sort of I'm, I'm, my bright mind's going back to this is maybe from a character long ago or something mm. like that. Uh, maybe it's the 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 Lord Ruler, mm. perhaps or something like that. Um, but I've not got a clue what they're about, and I found them very interesting. They're very actually very enjoyable if you read them all in a row. Well, especially and also mm. if you actually read them. If you actually read them, <laughs> I, I don't know why my brain just didn't even acknowledge that they were there. <laughs> I just completely missed. So them. what you're telling me is that you went to read a book and your brain disregarded the words. That sounds just like my brain. <laughs> it does, yeah, that is my brain. Okay, so <laughs> that's, that's that out of the way. So, um, oh, God. all right, so we'll go into yeah. the, my little summary. So, Clubs returns and agrees to be on the team. Kelsia, Doxon and Vin are on the rooftop, where Kelsia gears up and heads off to keep Venture to steal Atium. He breaks in, gets the safe of the Atium, fights some Haze killers. 
Kelsia escapes with the ATM. So I don't know what, what you thought, but to me, this is the best chapter so far, without a doubt. So I just went, wow, what a chapter. <laughs> there's just so much, like, yeah. there's so much happening. Yeah, it's amazing. Absolutely fantastic. And it's just, what really worked for me was the fights mm. that were in there and how it works. And also, do you know what? So up until this point, the magic side of it had kind of I've seemed really intriguing, really cool. I like the uh, this idea <clears> of burning metal. And it's just kind of like, he's sort of got to this point and gone, right, I'm now going to show you what this yeah. really means. Yeah. And this whole just way that he's got, you know, you're pushing off certain things, you're pulling, mm. Mm. depending on the weight of what you're pushing and pulling depends on what they do. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. So did did this chapter make up for the off-page sort of chase with Kelsey and the <coughs> Inquisitor? That happened previously that you weren't too fond of? Yeah, no, to be fair, this yeah. is it. This is what I was expecting to kind of happen. I mean, well, no, to be honest with you, no, that's a lie. I wasn't <clears> expecting this because this is so much more than I was expecting. But this provides the action scene, which I feel like the book was really needing by that point. Um, it just showcased how good this magic system is yeah. and how the powers all make sense. And that's the thing, like, you know, you can say like particularly for me coming in it's like oh I'm burning such and such this is going to do this and I'm a bit like oh, meh but mm. actually saying well actually do you know what let's just forget what metal's burning almost it's you know he's pulling he's pushing he's sort of flinging around like some sort of medieval spider-man in my head yeah. sort of <clears throat> flying through the air and I will get what metal does what in due course exactly and it will then start making a lot more sense to me. Yeah. But it's kind of just at this stage, um, just show me what the potential is. Mm. And uh, yeah, it was fantastic. But it's kind of like when I was reading it and making notes on this chapter, I was like, right, Kelsey burns this, then he does this. Then he doesn't burn this so much and then he does that. But it got so intense and there mm. was so much happening. I was like, I can't. I literally cannot document all of this. We're just going to have no. to sort of just discuss, you know, it as a whole sort of thing. Um, yeah. But going from going from the top of the the sort of chapter, so you've got the three of them on the. I think it was when they're on the rooftop and they're drinking some wine. And what I kind of like about this chap, like this chapter and the next chapter, is that it shows you a lot of Vin's character. Yeah. So we know, like, from the past that she's quite untrustworthy and she's careful you know she's got all these sort of qualities about her um and she she tells kelsey she won't drink anything that she hasn't prepared herself which i thought was quite interesting Mm. she's clearly had a life yes and she doesn't trust Mm. and some bad shits obviously happened in order to make her how she is but this sort of stuff crops up a lot in this chapter and the next one. Mm. So this is a look into her character, I think. So I've sort of looked at, you know, I've sort of done a, a good and a bad section mm. for the here, and the good in the particular in this chapter, just you know, the bad pales into insignificance because I actually think this was amazing, mm. and it's just something that I've um, spotted. I'm, and I don't know whether it's just something that just irritates me, or not even irritates me, but I just think it just seems a bit strange. I don't know whether it's because I'm just really used to reading like a Game of Thrones, where you have like a POV character per chapter. Mm. But in this chapter, we start off, and right at the start, we're very much in sort of Vin's POV. 
like and it's done this through the book like all of a sudden we'll get an, her inner monologue like yeah. we'll, we'll be telling a story it'll be like Kelsey has come in people are drinking then all of a sudden we get Vin's inner monologue mm. and it doesn't then come back and I'm sort of like right okay so are we watching this purely from Vin's point of view and in this chapter I think why well, the reason I've pointed it out is because we start off with that we start off with a bit of POV from Vin but then we move to Kelsey yeah. to do yeah. his thing so I'm like well actually okay so are we in her POV or are we not mm. yeah that's a good point actually again like not I got a bit I'd not actually thought about it but it probably happens in every chapter come to the yeah it's like it's not not an issue like no. I think that's what I say it doesn't annoy me it's not something like that it doesn't take away from my enjoyment of the book it's just something that I've noticed and just and like I say I don't know whether it's just I've got so used to reading like that kind of Game of Thrones style where you have a POV character per you're, chapter you're solely in their head for the whole chapter yeah section, and the yeah. same with like other books I've written re- read recently um, have that similar style and mm. it's just it just sort of stands out to me that we are having in a monologue from a character but then we're mo- missing her yeah, for the rest of the chapter point. yeah well, I'm um, not thought of that. So yeah, so that's just something that stood out. Mm. Um, I thought we, it was quite interesting where um, uh, they head up onto the roof and Kel sort of strips off and puts on some very well described mist cloak. Yes, <laughs> come on, that is awesome though. <laughs> it sounded a bit weird. <laughs> yeah, but it's cold as fuck. <laughs> the way it's described. Oh yeah, I don't absolutely. know if you because obviously you probably haven't googled anything, but I haven't. No, when you see like pictures and stuff. Of like people's interpretations of it is pretty badass. I know. I think that's the thing. I probably was thinking. I was thinking like this little sort of sparkly little cloak or something like mm. that. But yeah, I'm sure it is. I, I I need to do some safe googling. Well, actually, you need to do some safe googling for me. You can yeah, google I'll some pictures and send them to me. But Doxon, as he does that, Doxon tells him to be careful, mm. as there are a load of haze killers. Yes, haze. Fog, mist. Yeah, there's kind a bit, of working on that. Like, there's a bit of a theme there. running. A little I, bit of a theme. I'll tell you what, before you go any further, there was mm. a quote sort of talking about the city, which I loved, which mm. I just like to read. By day, Lufadel was a blackened city, scorched by certain red sunlight. It was hard, distinct, and oppressive. At night, however, the mist came to blur and obscure. High noble keeps became ghostly, looming silhouettes. Streets seemed to grow more narrow in the fog every thoroughfare becoming a lonely, dangerous alleyway. Even noblemen and thieves were apprehensive about going out at night. It took a strong heart to brave the foreboding, misty silence. The dark city at night was a place for the desperate and the foolhardy. It was a land of swirling mystery and strange creatures. Very well written yeah, uh, section, that. Really good. Cause because just... you, you can sort of tell that a lot of it is like just banged out. Like he's just writing it as it comes to him and it's like... Yeah, sort of, but you can tell, like, especially little bits like that. There was a lot of thought that went into. Well, to that. say, he's obviously stopped there and thought, like, I want to just invoke emotion, yeah, more than Set anything else, and bit, just sort yeah. of, you know, he could just say, oh, there's this, that, and the other thing, but mm. that's very, very emotive, and you sort of feel the the anxiety that sort of must exist in this place. And I also like the sort of the constant reminder about the soot and the ash and all that, and Mm. you know, I think, I can't remember if it was this chapter they're talking about, like clearing the ash out of the way. And because it's very easy to forget that that's going on, or I've found it very easy to forget. So I've liked these little reminders to somebody think, oh yeah, God, they must stink. And then, yeah. (laughs) And then you had, I think it was the prologue or maybe chapter one that mentioned like ash mounds. Yeah. So it's like, you can just imagine like, not, not maybe not mountain size, but sort of like, I was thinking sort of like hill-sized things of ash just lying around everywhere. Obviously, 
Doxon's explained that they've got some haze killers, which at this moment we don't know what they are, but they sound pretty fucking gruesome, don't they? Yeah. Um, and they've also got two dozen mistings. Yes. Where the fuck's that come from? <laughs> All of a sudden. Um, that's pretty scary. Mm-hmm. Two dozen of them bastards. However, they don't have Mistborn, do they? No, so Misting, that's one power, isn't it? Yes. So, uh, so yeah, probably but it, still quite tricky if you're not... Could be tricky, but like... I think this sort of chapter also demonstrates exactly why a Mistborn is so powerful because Kelsey is using multiple powers at once, like mm. particularly for his like f- or flight or travel or however I sort of saw him sort of shooting across. Yeah. So I'm going to call it flight. I mean, I know he's not technically flying, but that's what I'm sort of talking mm. about at that moment. It's as good as, isn't it? Yeah, it's as good he's, as flying. He's pushing and pulling. Yeah. Obviously, if you can only do one, mm. it's that limitation. Yeah. But I find it so interesting, like just talking about like the pushing, pulling and stuff, how he sort of seeks out these little things to, to sort of pull against. Like, there was one moment, I think I'm pretty sure it was in this chapter, where he sees like a small metal clasp of, on, a, on a windowsill. Yeah. These... And he's like, well, that's ideal. So he sort of pulls against it and it sort of sends him over the over the yeah. top of the building and stuff. I'm just uh, like, what? I also loved his... It's cool. I call it his, like, his Batman moment, where he said it had taken a trap set by the Lord Ruler himself to capture Kelsia. Now, the final empire itself would shake before he was finished with it. Mm. He scanned the city once more, breathing in the mist, and then hopped down off the ledge. I could sort of see him, like, stood at the top of the building. Yeah. Dark yeah. night kind of Definitely. stuff. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, so, um, the other thing, going back to the Mistborn Cloak, so Doxon says, oh, the Mistborn Cloak, they all wear the things. It's a kind of, like, a sign of a membership in their club. So... In their club, eh? So it's kind of, sort of saying that there's... Obviously, maybe that they act together or there is, you know, some sort of mm. community of them in a way. Um, but also, let's say I was signed a membership. So, yeah, well, that's they're not unique. That sort of comes up in the next chapter as well, doesn't it? Mm. Um, we get some information about that. One, one other cool thing, I think. So when he's doing all this sort of like jumping around, pushing, pulling and all this type of stuff. He burns steel and he jumps off the building and blue lines shoot out from him, mm. each leading to a source of metal. Yeah. Now, why they've got to be blue, I don't know. But it's a pretty cool image, just so sort of did, having all these different lines shooting out. So, did, so okay, so in my, in my head, they were in his head. Are you, do you saying they I actually like, well, what appear? They, say? they were like translucent lines or something. It might, yeah, it might just be in his vision, I guess. Oh, so translucent blue lines sprang into existence around him, visible only to his eyes. Oh, there you go then. Okay. So, yeah. whether they're in his mind or they're actually there, but only he can see him, I don't. Mm. It sort of makes doesn't really make too. I much mean, fun. yeah, it would make sense for only him to see it because yeah. it's just showing him where he can go and what he can yeah. do. Whereas to anyone else, it's irrelevant, I suppose. Right, so each one led out from the centre of his chest. Now, that interests me, because I thought it would be his stomach, because that's where the, the, the metal is. That is, I did, yeah, yeah, good point. Never thought of that. Um, hmm. But yeah, they're relatively faint, a sign that they pointed to metal sources, so small, door hinges, nails and other yeah. bits. The type of source metal didn't matter. So that's interesting. Hmm. So there was one thing where I thought the story kind of took like a... Maybe a bit of a dark sort of path is when he's burning all these metals and there's some guards around and he slits one of the guards' throats with yeah. a glass dagger. Yeah. A glass dagger? <laughs> How fucking cool is that? But yeah, the throat slitting is kind of like, whoa. 
Yeah, he's, you know, up to now it's been quite. You know, it's sort of it's kind of delving for me into kind of like that kind of matrix thing of like people who are in the system mm. are a part of the system. But yeah, that poor bloke was just doing his job. <laughs> Throat slit. Throat slit. Poor bastard. Um, but I guess, you know, they work for the noble houses, and I think, you know, if there is this big fundamental racial difference between the nobles, because mm. although... So what they were talking about is, like, sort of lesser nobles. So even noble born might have a job of being, like, a guard or yeah. something like that. They've got noble blood, but I think, you know, it kind of feels like, yeah, you have this sort of complete separate society of the nobles... But when you say noble, you just sort of think of the guy that sort of sat there being fanned. But actually, he sort of says, well, actually, no, there's some which are doing these, um, you know, haze killers. Yeah. Are noble born. So, you know, most people. So uh, the, what I've got is that most people who can normally do alamancy are going to be noble. Mm. So all of mm. these people that he fights who have alamantic powers are noble born. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing that sort of stuck out to me as well Um is how having these powers sort of it isn't all good. Like there is a little bit of downside to it. So when he had his tin on and his his vision was enhanced, yeah. And he so this is the quote from the book. It says he extinguished his tin lest his enhanced eyes be blinded when he entered the lit room. Hmm. Yeah, like you you would never have thought anything like that. Yeah, and just having that little bit of a you know, there are things that will affect, you know, these metals aren't all good. There yeah. is things that it's going to mess you up a bit. Well, it's like the shining <clears> of the light in the soldier's eyes wearing night vision. Yeah, it's just exactly that. Mm. Just, you know, yeah, he's enhanced his eyesight, but yeah. then he's going to get blinded. Yeah. And so one quote that I thought was really cool, I don't know whether it actually means something or not, or whether it's just a cool quote. Mm. Um, it's like, as he stood, the mist curled slightly around his body. They twisted and spun, running in a slight, barely noticeable current beside him. The mist knew him. They claimed him. They could sense his alamancy. So is there something going on with the mist? What? That just makes me think, what's causing it? Yeah. Yeah. Why is it there? Is there something more to it than it just being fog? Mm. Um, yeah, because obviously at this point, we still... Well, at this point, we still don't know what exactly it is or yeah. what it's doing. No, but absolutely. yeah, that's interesting. That didn't really occur to me actually when I was reading it. Um, um, but yeah, he, he, he has some pretty cool fights. He kicks quite yeah. a lot of the proverbial. Do you know what? I actually, I, this was one of my favourite bits. So there was like this um, contraption. I think it was the safe or it was a contraption in front of where he finds the safe yeah. of ATM. And it says, he didn't bother trying to figure out how to open the contraption. <laughs> He simply burned steel, reaching in and tugging against the weak source of metal that he assumed was the trapdoor's locking mechanism. It resisted at first, pulling him against the wall, but he burned pewter and yanked harder. Yeah. Done. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. just like, you've got these powers. It's a little shitty bit of metal contraption. You're going you're gonna to do it. Yeah. You know, I just found it quite cool. The other thing I loved about his escape was that sort of retake on the whole, you know, tying a rope to like a big chair or something and then jumping out the window and it sort of sliding across and letting you down yeah. slowly. Well, that's pretty much how the... he got the safe out, wasn't it? Well, that's it. it. So yeah. he did that, but just without the rope, it was the powers that was connecting him to the safe and then obviously yeah. the whole thing just came down. <laughs> Smashed it open, got the yeah. got the, got the um, gemstones and some atium and a couple of... 10,000 boxings, letters of credit. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently. There's a very rich Which man. is, um, yeah, great. Good for him, I suppose. Um, 
But yeah, no, and it was interesting. But then there's just a bit at the end which I like. It's like his fl- his um, his scars flared. Uh, memories of the time yeah. he was in the pits returning to him. Um, but yeah, I just thought this was absolutely fantastic. It's, it's easily the best chapter yeah. so far. I mean, I, I, do you know what? I almost describe it, when I first read it, it was almost like porn. It was just pure yeah. action. Felt a bit dirty after reading it. Do you know what? I was kind of flicking through on the Kindle and I was like, is this actually going to stop? Like, mm. it was just, every page was him just doing some crazy shit. And like, I've got here, there's times where he saw a guard and he was like, he just says, about time. And he pulls on the sword, which comes out of the guard's hand or yeah. scabbard or whatever. And, like, he catches it. And then he pushes a sword into a guard. Yeah. I'm like, what is going on? He's a, it's sick. He's a bit of a badass. Yeah. Um, so what do you think of the Haze Killers? They just seem like some dudes with canes. Yeah. <laughs> their, their name doesn't really do them any uh, favour, you know. Yeah, but I like this idea of, like, okay, so we've got these people that can do stuff with metal so yeah of course you're going to counter that with people that have absolutely Haven't got no any, metal any on metal them at all them, yeah. and there was the bit with the sort of like god I can't remember what it was was it a, a dagger or was it a big piece of metal or something there was this thing that was ricocheting that round the room that he was sort of sending at people and then flinging backwards and yeah, forwards and yeah. ducking it wasn't a shield was it was it or a shield or a, was it a stave or something like a big yeah it was something, something like that. but that was so cool mm. but yeah just imagine sort of like almost pinballing these people to death with yeah. it um <laughs> But, but yeah, no, I thought it was great. I think I think the only downside is the way they were sort of described. They're just like these losers with robes on. Yeah. With with yeah, they just didn't seem that cool. But yeah, okay, they put up a good fight. I they guess. did. Put up he killed fight. all of them except for one. But they yeah, they yeah. did all right. <laughs> they did, no, they did okay. <laughs> they did average, <laughs> mediocre. I don't know. Um. So the again so. Looking back to what I've put down in my not so good section, mm. um, again, this isn't a criticism of this chapter. It's just something that's I'm struggling with slightly, and that's kind of like the, the naming of characters, but also the names of the jobs that they have. Mm. So I've written a little list here. So Breeze, Smoker, Clubs, Suva, Vent, Fugs. Mm. What? Which ones are the people's names, and which ones are the jobs that they're going to do? Mm. They're all very similar. So this is the thing. Like, oh, when they're saying, "Oh, we need a smoker." I get it when he says A, I know that's a role. Yeah. But if you said to me now, those lists, which one's which? I mean, I think I do know the answer, mm. but it's not easy. It's Look, the, the, yeah, the thing is, he's not exactly gone for, let's say, imaginative or complex naming conventions. You know, mm. soother, thug. And like, it's, it's all very simplistic, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Really, um, but I just find the character names harder to remember who's who at this stage. Yeah, well, a lot of them are sort of they do feel quite the same. Like you've got, I couldn't t- really tell you the difference between like Ham and Breeze, who are on like every page. I'm like, which one's which, and which yeah. one does what? Because they are very well in my eyes. I think they're quite similar, um, and they're sort of like a double act. Yeah, so no, it's, it's, it is difficult. They do work well together. Um, but yeah, I think that's everything I've got on chapter five. Um, mm. Yeah, favourite chapter so far. Um, just pure action. I mean, it didn't sort of hit the intrigue levels of some of the earlier chapters. Um, but he can really write action. And yes. Oh, definitely. Yeah. This action, just, absolutely. This chapter just really demonstrated how sophisticated this magic system mm. is and how it's going to be. And effectively, you know, all we've seen there is pushing and pulling. Yeah. And all the different things that he can do by pushing and pulling. Obviously, we've got the sort of enhanced strength, the enhanced eyesight. But 
Yeah. Actually, the yeah. just what you can achieve mm. by doing. There is that. some really cool shit. I don't. I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to spoil it, and I don't know if it's in this book or not. But there's some really cool stuff in this series that's like it's possible. Mm. But I don't know if we see it in this book yet. When we do, I will point it out. Yeah. Because yeah. it is fucking cool. Um, but no, I agree. I think his action scenes are fucking mm. incredible. To be honest. Yeah. So I think that brings us to the end of chapter five. Time to move on. Yes, it is. So, chapter six. Yes. Shall I read the summary? You shall. Okay. Vin wakes up in Clubs' shop. Clubs has a shop, by the way. The following morning. Kelsia and the crew plot out the job. The destruction of the final empire. Marsh eventually arrives and everyone leaves so he and Kelsia can talk alone. Vin returns to eavesdrop outside the door. Yes. So, I think, firstly, this chapter makes chapter five make a hell of a lot more sense. Mm -hmm. So, we've had quite a lot of just talking. Particularly chapters three and four, it's very much, you know, meetings and conversation. And if we'd have jumped straight into this which is, again, another, basically a meeting, most of this chapter, it would start to become sort of a bit of a drag. Mm-hmm. So um, actually throwing in this big, wow, excitement of chapter five just keeps the story interesting um, and just breaks up these planning mm. of what we're go- what's going on. Do you know what? This chapter annoyed me a little bit. Okay. Because... We sort of, we already sort of knew what the plan was. Yeah. And again, this is one of them things where there seems to be repeating chapters going on, where there's very similar things happening in one that we've already read before. So my issue with this is that they went so ridiculously in depth with the plan, where I would have liked a little bit more mystery Mm. and maybe a bit of sort of like them not just spelling it out beat by beat and just leaving a little bit to the imagination I, I just felt that every character was like well we need to do this in order to do that but then when when they do that we can do this by moving that group of people there and I'm like it just seemed a little bit too much of yeah. an explanation okay I get it I do get it I just it was a bit it went on a bit yeah I mean it was it was a long chapter yeah it was hard to get through I found uh, certain stages. I also I found the kind of the way it was done a bit clunky, like having a chalkboard and it's like yeah. Kelsia writes this next yeah. to that. So that just felt a bit too much for me. But what I I kind of disagree in a sense though because what we've sort of seen so far is that we've got this huge empire and it's ruled by this relatively omnipotent person, mm. and all we've said is oh we're going to overthrow it. Um, kind of what they did in this chapter, which I thought was really quite good, was although it was basically like a business brainstorming session, so I don't necessarily like the way it was done. They actually made all these issues which they've got seem overcomable. Mm. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. You know, and it's kind of like the size of, you know, the characters were acknowledging the size of the task that they have mm. and sort of saying, yes, this sounds absolutely ridiculous. But by the end of it, 
you kind of think, well, actually, yeah, do you know what? This is the focus of the story. This is where they need to go. I agree. However, do you not think, so when they were discussing, like, troop movements and the caves and stuff, and they were sort of like, right, what we'll do is we'll station this group of people here, and that will mean that his garrison will move from there to this place. When they do that, we can do this. I'm like, well, what happens if you can't do that? Yeah. Well, what, what if it's something you've not planned for? And it, it, I don't know, it just seemed very... Well, this is the thing I've Unnatural. Written. Yeah, I just... It doesn't... I mean, the thing is I've written is there are, I very much doubt it's going to go to plan. Mm. You mm. know, I can't see that happening. But the other thing actually was... That I liked about it is that it's given us a bit of a time frame. That they're talking about like a year to get this done. Yeah. So again, it's like, oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Mm. Like, this is a huge task. They're not just going to go and do it. And I don't know whether there's going to be a time jump involved or whatever, mm. or whether we're suddenly going to go a couple of months later and the characters have moved on. But it just sort of made me feel quite comfortable that the story's actually going to progress at a, like a realistic pace. Like, yeah, yeah you're yeah. not going to do this overnight. No. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it was very much a sit down, have a chat mm. chapter, maybe a bit of a Council of Elrond kind of uh, thing going on. Um, but talking about, sorry, talking about the chalkboard, <clears throat> there was one part I actually thought was quite funny. Um, Kelsia says the high nobility have an agreement not to use Mistborn to assassinate each other, yeah. which obviously we sort of picked up on in the last chapter or something similar to that. He hopes to have them turn on each other by attacking them a few more times. And then in quotes it says, he turned, adding Breeze, planning, and Kelsia, general mayhem, <laughs> on the chalkboard. <laughs> general mayhem. If, if I was anything in that place, that's what I'd like to be in charge of, yeah, is the general, general fucking mayhem. Sounds like a South Park character next to Major Disarray. Yeah. <laughs> I must admit, I did laugh when I read that. I thought yeah. it was brilliant. Um, um, yeah, I so something actually something that I picked up, sort of going a bit out of order with this because uh, my notes aren't as good for this chapter, but it's quite about the Lord Ruler. Mm. So it's like the Lord Ruler. He was well. He was a lord. He ruled all of the world. He was the creator, the protector, and the punisher of mankind. He had saved them from the deepness and then brought the ash and the mist as punishment for the people's lack of faith. Yeah. Vim wasn't particularly religious. Intelligent thieves knew to avoid the steel ministry, but even she knew the legends. Mm. I've got about half of that there yeah. because I thought that was quite interesting. And again, it gives you the whole, a bit more insight on the ash, the yeah. mist, what they're doing there. So my question is, like, is that, so is that true? So is he mm. this godlike character that did that? Or is it a myth, or is it something that he's starred? So I've almost like, is it kind of like a Wizard of Oz thing, where you've got this, you know, admittedly he's obviously lived for a very long time, but have you got like a really powerful Mistborn who's created this myth about himself mm. to keep people in line? Mm. Or is it actually real, and he's done all those things? Yeah, good point. Um, so yeah, I, I'm loving this, the Lord Ruler. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned something before, which I actually was going to bring up, which was the Council of Elrond type. Thing, oh, right. yeah, yeah. Where, okay, so this might take me a minute to think of, but they're all there, and each one of them's like, no, I can't do that because such and such a reason. Yeah. What about you? No, I can't do that either. And it was getting to the point where I think most people would think that Vin would step in and go, 
I'll do it. I'll take the ring to Mordor. However, again, in keeping with her character and what we know about her, she was like, nah, fuck no. that. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna stand in the corner. I don't wanna be uh doing that. Yeah, but then that Which makes sense. Was quite a good yeah, it makes complete sense. And it was quite a good flip on the head of that sort of I'll do it. You know, her stepping up to the plate. Of course she wasn't going to do it. Yeah, but, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I don't know how much time, but she's only literally met these people like a day before. <laughs> yeah, that is another good point. Yeah. I mean, it's weird enough that she's gone with them. Yeah, true. But, um, yeah, My point still stands. Right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And, yeah, you're, you that, would that, expect her to do cause, it. Because when, when I read that part, I, that, I, it sort of, it made me think of that part with Frodo, yeah. and he sort of stands up, he's like, I'll do it, because no one else wanted to do it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, so that no, you're absolutely right, and I'm, I'm really liking the character of Vin. She feels very real, and yeah, she's flawed, which is she, yeah. is good. You know, she's got she's not this perfect bloody you know, like yeah. I said in one of the earlier episodes, Ray type yeah. <laughs> characters. Um, um, but yeah, no, it's interesting, and also I think this again, like a dark side starting to come over, particularly Kelsia. Mm. Um, so what I've put out is like, so they want the world's greatest suvers. Breeze, I'm counting on you and your Alamancers to force us up a nice selection of recruits. So they're effectively going to use their magic to brainwash to force people, people to do to force people yeah, into yeah. fighting and dying. Yeah. Also, in keeping with what you just said, he plans to get a nobleman to buy weapons for them, and it's revealed that he's basically killed this Lord Renu or Renu or whatever from one of the earlier chapters. And replaced him with an imposter. Yeah, but what kind? I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, but what kind of imposter? That's the question, and that's mm. the bit that's really quite. You know, it's like, oh, so he looks just like Lord Reno. Kelsey has said exactly like Lord, Lord Reno. Actually, we can't just let him get near the Inquisitor. Ah, Bree said, exchanging a glance with Ham. One of those. Well mm. then, one of those. What? Yeah, then ask. What does he mean? You don't want to know, Bree said. (laughs) I don't. Bree shook his head. You know how unsettled you were before when Kelsey said he'd replace Lord Renault with an imposter. Well, this is about a dozen times worse. (laughs) Trust me, the less you know, the more comfortable you'll be. What the hell have they done? Mm, What have they done? What have they done? Indeed. But but yeah, I must admit, that whole thing of like, you know, setting off a revolution is one thing, but Mm. making people agree with you and then die for you when it's yeah, not it's really bit, their opinion. It's, it's a little bit far. Very dark. Um, and just when they're discussing this Lord Renew and who's going to play the heir to sort of go along with them, and Clubs offers up his nephew, yeah. Lester Bournes, <laughs> <laughs> which is, I don't know where he's pulled this name from, but um, he has a very strange way of speaking, this young man. He does. Um, what's that all about? I have no idea. Hmm. It's obviously something, though. You I, wish, I actually wish I'd taken a quote down of what he said, but it, it is very strange. Yeah, it took me a couple of attempts to read it. And it's yeah. not just rewritten as like an accent, it's a different way of yeah. talking. And I believe it gets worse as the series goes. Like, he starts saying more, okay. and you're like, but in that style, yeah. it doesn't change. And you're like, oh my god, what is he, what, what was he saying? Um, yeah, <clears throat> so we meet him. And yeah, like I said there, Vin doesn't put herself forward because she doesn't want to be a centre of attention. She's careful mm. and all that sort of stuff. And then we get Marsh showing up, which is Kelsey's brother. Yes. At the end. He's certainly quite cool. Um, I don't know if he's actually been mentioned yet or not. They talked about... I think they talked about him in one of the earlier chapters as 
oh, you're, you know, you were meeting your brother. Or... Right, okay. I just don't know if his name's been dropped. Yet. I don't know if his name had been dropped. I can't dropped. remember if it has or not. Um, but we kind of knew. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, everyone leaves. Him and Kelsey go and have a discussion privately. Um, what does Vin do? What she does best is she goes and stands by the door and listens to what they're saying. Yeah. Because of course she does. Um, so, yeah, it was, I don't know. I enjoyed the chapter, but I just, I, I found the whole plan quite elaborate and a bit sort of in, too in-depth. I wish they'd kept a little bit more to the imagination sort of thing. Hmm. Um, but overall, you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know what, I have a, I like knowing sort of what direction the story is now going to take, like, what their plan is. Yeah. Roughly, you know, I, and again, like, yeah, they've gone into a lot of detail, but to be honest with you, I've already forgotten quite a lot of that detail. Mm. What I know is that they're going to raise an army, and they're going to take their time to do it, and they've got a plan on how to do it, and they're going to start some infighting between the nobles. Yeah. Yeah, so there was one bit where they were discussing, it reminded me of um, Game of Thrones. You know, in the first season, and obviously it happened in the book as well, but when Tywin goes to meet the Northmen, like mm. Rob Stark and all that sort of lot. Yeah. And the scouts tell him there's 20,000 men. And he turns up and there's 2,000 men. And they, Tywin loses a lot of his own soldiers. And he comes back and they say, what happened? Where's, where's all the other people? And he says, or where's Rob Stark? And he says, on the other side of the river with his 18,000 men. Yeah. And there's something very similar in this chapter where they're on about sort of breaking up the garrison into two separate bits, yeah. luring the city garrison out to one of them and then sending the bigger majority in, which I I just thought, you know, it probably wasn't linked to that at all, but I just thought it was a nice sort of parallel to, yeah, well, to the, that. Yeah, you know, there's tactics going on. Yeah. Again, and I get what you're saying. Like, you know, they, yeah, okay, that takes the mystery about how they're going to do it. Mm. But again, it just makes it seem like realistic. You're like, well, mm. yeah, that's what we're going to do. And I think... Joe, I think as a plan, it makes sense. It's almost like, well, this is how we're going to do it. And yeah, it might not go to plan, Mm. but at least they've got a rough idea of what they want to do. But I guess once they've got the main steps, you know, they've got, because they've actually written them on a chalkboard, as you do. Once you've got them, you can start breaking it all down, can't you? Like you say, if you've got a year to do it, it isn't like they're doing it overnight. So, and this yeah, is the thing, I, okay. like with the Alamancers creating the you know the Suvers, it just generally feels like it's almost like putting something in the water. They're just the fact that they're going to be there mm. is just going to stir this kind of inner feeling of discontent that these um, Scar have and make them want to rebel. It's not an instant like Jedi mind trick. Mm. It's something that's going to you know over time build. Yeah, so I, yeah, it just it seems really clever. And I mean. I you know I, I this chapter was alright. I mean, it's just you know, it's chapter five is a very hard act to follow, and I think chapter six didn't help itself by being so wordy. Yeah, but you know, I'm just ready for the story to start going now and the plans to it. start going. When you think about it, though, I suppose with, in a book with what thirty, whatever it is, chapters, thirty something chapters, forty something chapters, you know, not all of them are going to be mind blowing amazing sort of action blah 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 we are going to get the odd one where we sort of go eh yeah it was alright you know because you've got to have them yeah like I say I just I I think I just want more more of chapter 5 yes absolutely and um, I feel like that's coming and we're going to see some stuff yeah so yeah some cool shit again brilliant loving this book yeah and uh, can't wait to carry on excellent alright 
So thank you very much for listening. Thank you. If you've got any feedback, please tweet us. We're at the Broken Saber, and join us next week for our Christmas special. I forgot we were doing that. <laughs> wow. I can't wait. So prepare for next week to hear a lot of me talking about yeah. what I've prepared for the Christmas special. <laughs> well, I'm just going to be pissed, so you can just talk to me. That's fair enough. I'll eat mince pies. and. Uh, yeah. So as always, I've been Tom. And I've been Matt. Thank you very much. Goodbye. The Broken Saber was created by Tom, Matt and Ian. It's written, presented and produced by Matt and Tom and our equipment and studio were provided by Ian. Our theme music is by Phantom Eck and our Mistborn logo artwork is by Marcella Marks. Listen to us on Spotify, Google or Apple Podcasts and find us on Twitter at The Broken Saber. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week, you bloody legends.